Chapter 1 of Army Mental Tests Compiled and edited by Clarence S. Yoakum and Robert M. Yerkes This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recorded by Leon Harvey Army Mental Tests Chapter 1 Making the Tests The origin of general intelligence tests is due to the genius of Alfred Binet, his investigations and early publications gave the stimulus to the development of mental tests for school children. He also did pioneer work in the study of the characteristics of the feeble-minded. Since his early work appeared in 1905, the volume of material has been extremely large. Numerous tests have been used in the schools and in psychological laboratories. Many of these have been standardized and have proved particularly useful in school and community surveys. Noteworthy advances have been made by psychologists in the United States. Three of the most important steps in individual testing are represented by the Goddard revision of the Binet scale, the Erics Bridges point scale and the Stanford revision of the Binet scale. Whipple's Manual of Mental and Physical Tests conveniently presents the literature of tests and standards for many of them. Group methods of mental testing were foreshadowed by a few studies previous to the development of the Army methods. These were scattering and had had no extensive use before 1917. The idea of examining children and others in groups, however, existed, and it was on the basis of these preliminary studies and the work in individual examining that the committee which met at Vonlad felt that it could produce a group examination which would serviceably classify recruits for army purposes. Three or four of the members of this committee had had direct experience with group methods. The committee consisted of R. M. Yerkes, Chairman, W. V. Bringham, Secretary, H. H. Goddard, T. H. Haynes, L. M. Terman, G. M. Whipple, and F. L. Wells. Each of these men brought to the work of the committee a large amount of material which was sifted to produce the group test and individual examining materials of the first examiner's guide. Hundreds of tests already published were also available. The committee drew upon these published tests and upon the materials brought together by the members for the group methods and for the individual methods devised for the Army. A complete group test, the work of A. S. Otis of Leland Stanford University, quite similar in form to that finally adopted by the Army, was in manuscript. It also was drawn upon in making the Army tests. It is not the purpose of this chapter to go into detail concerning the work of the committee in the preparation of the Army mental tests, but it does seem worthwhile to call attention to certain principles that underlie the making of general intelligence tests and to suggest certain cautions in their use. The ease with which the Army group test can be given and scored makes it a dangerous method in the hands of the inexpert. It was not prepared for civilian use, and is applicable only within certain limits to other uses than that for which it was prepared. In order to indicate this limited applicability, we shall quote here the criteria formulated and accepted by the committee before any work on the test was attempted. The test to be devised for army use, the committee believes should, first, be adaptable for group use in the examining of large numbers rapidly. Second, it should have a high degree of validity as a measure of intelligence. Third, the range of intelligence measured by the tests should be wide. That is, the test should be made difficult enough to measure the higher levels of intelligence and at the same time be an adequate measure of the extremely low levels that would probably be found in the army. Fourth, as far as possible, it should be arranged for objectivity of scoring and the elimination of personal judgment concerning correct answers. Thus, the results of scoring in one camp would be strictly comparable with those obtained in another. Fifth, the test should be so arranged that the scoring could be done rapidly and with the least chance of error. 
Also, this arrangement should be so simple that relatively inexpert assistance could be used in scoring the large numbers of papers. 6. There must be either different forms or alternative tests of equal difficulty to prevent coaching. 7. It was necessary also to obtain clues which would enable examiners to detect malingering in connection with the examination. 8. Cheating must also be avoided. 9. The test must be made as completely independent of schooling and educational advantages as possible. 10. The arrangement should be such as to allow a minimum of writing and recording answers. 11. The tests must consist of material which would arouse interest in the subjects. 12. The different tests used should be arranged to yield an accurate measure of intelligence in a reasonably short time. With these criteria in mind, the committee set to work on the materials available to produce what is now known as the Army Mental Test. In the original series, there were 13 different tests. These were rated by the psychologists present on the basis of their validity as measures of intelligence. All other criteria mentioned were also taken into account. These tests were then given to selected groups and the results compared with the criteria laid down. As a result, certain tests were eliminated because they failed to meet the requirements. In connection with each of the tests finally selected, certain additional cautions are to be noted. In general, the battery of tests selected was composed of separate tests, no one of which exceeded a time limit of approximately five minutes. The number of items in each test and the time limits were so fixed that 5% or less in any average group would be able to finish the entire series of items in the time allowed. It was deemed advisable to have the directions for each test read aloud by the examiner and to have the subjects follow the reading of the directions. For each test, a series of sample items correctly answered was given. In order to prevent coaching and cheating, alternative forms were prepared. Materials were gathered by the committee for ten of these alternative forms, but only five were finally printed. In making the alternative forms of the tests, approximately equal difficulty for the forms was desired. This was obtained by using the principle of random selection in preparing the items for each test. For example, if a test had 40 items and 10 forms were to be made, 400 items of the nature desired in the test were prepared. These were printed on separate slips of paper and shoveled. From this mass of 400 items were drawn the items for each form alternatively. The methods of scoring necessary for speed and accuracy were determined empirically after the first and second trials of the tests. Special methods of selecting the material for the items in each of the tests were used, and specific cautions were observed in the arrangements of the items in each. These need not be discussed here. As an example, however, of the care with which the tests were made, we may cite the procedure used in Test 7, known as the Analogies Test. Here, two words with a specific relation are given together with a third word, which bears that same relation to another word in a group of four words. This word in the group of four bears, as has been stated, the relation to the third word that holds for the first two. However, another word in this group of four words bears a relationship to the third word commonly known as the free association relationship. That is to say, if the third word is spoken to a listener who is asked to give the first word that occurs to him after hearing this word, the chances are high that he would give this second word as the free association word. The peculiar nature and difficulty of the test at once becomes apparent when this method of making it is known. In Test 5, the Disarranged Sentence Test, as in certain of the other tests, the chance order of true and false sentences was used. In other words, an equal number of true and false items was selected for any one form of this test. 
The sequence in which they appeared on the page was determined by tossing a coin. In addition to these special principles in making up the tests, the items were arranged as far as possible in the order of difficulty, the easier ones being placed first and the more difficult ones last. As stated above, the preliminary trials gave the basis for the revision and modification of the tests originally selected. After this revision and modification, ten tests remained. These ten tests were then given to approximately 5,000 men in the regular army and national guard, and in addition to a variety of subjects outside the army. This range of subjects includes inmates of institutions for the feeble-minded, members of officers' training schools, and students in colleges and universities. The examination papers, just as the examinees had marked them, were sent to Columbia University, where a statistical group headed by Edward L. Thorndike studied the results of the test to check their validity, reliability, and significance. The technical methods used cannot be described here. Some of the more simple methods and checks, however, may be mentioned. A brief enumeration of these will indicate the laborious nature of the task of standardizing a test. Certainly, the usefulness of a test requires clear formulation and close study of the problem, painstaking fitting of the test to the conditions set, correct and proper, statistical studies of results, and, first and last, skill and originality in devising the form and content of the test itself. At the same time that these statistical investigations were being carried on, the tests were given to other subjects who had previously been examined by established methods of mental testing. Other measures of intelligence such as officers' ratings of soldiers of the National Guard and the regular army were obtained. Where school children or college students were examined, teachers' estimates of intelligence and college or school grades were used. The results of the army intelligence tests were then compared with these other measures of intelligence. In a group of tests, such as the Army Group Examinations, each of which is made up of eight types of test, it is necessary to note the relations between the separate tests. If, for example, the relationship between two of the tests is very high, it is possible that the tests are repetitive and that one of them is unnecessary. On the other hand, an extremely low relationship between one of the tests and the total score might indicate that the test should be omitted because it adds little to the measure of intelligence yielded by the group of tests as a whole. The caution to be observed in this instance, or where a specific testing purpose is in view, is that the test may measure some ability of equal importance with the abilities measured by the other tests of the group. The relation of the group of tests to the independent measure of the trait in question constitutes the specific reason for keeping or rejecting a test which shows a low relationship to the total score. Other things to be noted in measuring the usefulness of a particular test are the number of zero scores produced by the test the time allowance, and the method of scoring. It is obvious, for example, that if 50% of the group tested, or even 20%, make zero scores, the test is unsatisfactory as a measure of a wide range of intelligence. It is also important to note whether most of the persons tested are given opportunity to exhibit their maximum ability in a test. Too short a time allowance may prevent some from reaching items of sufficient difficulty to test their ability. On the other hand, in preparing the army tests, it was necessary to limit the time allowance in accordance with the practical situation. In scoring the tests, certain mathematical precautions are necessary. For instance, the test which offers only two alternatives will yield a high percentage of right scores by chance. To compensate for this, such a test may be scored right minus wrong. In addition, a considerable list of observations necessary in finally checking the validity of the army tests might be given. It was found that on the whole, the ten tests which constituted the examination known as examination A forms a, B, C, D, and E of the official army trial on the 4th of 1917 were fairly satisfactory measures of intelligence. The score distributions for each of the tests were good. That is, 
there were relatively few zero scores and a small percentage of the subjects could either finish or practically finish the tests in the time allowed a study of the increase in incorrect answers in the upper range of items in each test also indicated that the tests approximated a measure of actual ability and were not merely testing speed in reading or thinking there proved to be a regular gradation of the score distributions from the graduate students through the officers training school men regular and national guard privates down to the inmates of institutions for the feeble-minded comparison of the results of the tests which with officers ratings of their own men showed a satisfactory degree of correspondence on the whole the tests graded the men as the officers estimated the value of these same men to the army repetition of the tests indicated that they had a fairly high degree of reliability if a man did his best the chances were that he would vary ten points or less on a second trial the statistical results indicated further that for the entire group it was fairly safe to say that the men's true scores were not more than 15 points above or below the ones actually recorded. In this connection, it may be noted that the alpha examination, which is the one given in the examiner's guide included in this volume, shows an even higher reliability. The evidence indicates that the average scores due to accidental circumstances vary. For this examination, not more than 5 points up or down. Comparisons of the results of the tests, with schooling as reported by the person tested indicate that the tests are not merely a measure of schooling or of opportunity to attend school, but are actually a measure of native ability. All five forms of the group examination were used in the pre-official trial of the tests. The differences in forms were so slight as to indicate the success of the random method of selecting items. Form B proved more difficult than the other forms. The order of items was changed as a result of the trial in a few instances. One further question remained. How should the results of widely distributed testing of this sort be interpreted? In this connection, it may be emphasized again that the group examination used in the army was interpreted entirely in terms of military needs. Modifications made in the tests, such as scoring and weighing, were all intended to make it a better measure of ability in the army. This specialization of the group examinations for the army makes them less valuable in other fields. We have indicated above that the range of intelligence measured by the tests included distinctly feeble-minded persons as well as officers and graduate students. The assignment of letter grades to the score distributions was based upon this range. The scores were designated as A, B, C, D and E ratings. This division into five grades or ratings was considered sufficiently fine for the principal army uses. Subdivisions can be introduced to any extent desired. The alphanumerical score ranges from 0 to 212 points. In preparing distribution tables, scatter tables, and in all statistical calculations, 5 and 10 point groups or classes are used. For example, all scores are 55 to 59 points or 70 to 79 points inclusive form one group. Officers training school candidates and graduate students made as a rule A and B scores. Clerical assistants and men in the regular army who could handle the paperwork usually made grades in upper C or B. The average private scored C. Men who reported themselves as labourers fell in grade D, and privates who belonged to service organisations or who were relatively ineffective in the army, or men who were inmates of institutions for the feeble-minded, made scores in low D or E. The general intelligence test for literates covering a wide range of ability was prepared for its official trial in the manner described above. The need for haste in its construction made it important that a thorough study of the test in actual camp conditions be undertaken. This trial was made in four National Army cantonments, in the fall of 1917. Approximately 80,000 men were tested in this official trial of the methods. About 7,000 college, high school and elementary school students were also tested in order to check the army results. All of the data available from the official trial 
were then subjected to statistical treatment as a basis for revision of the tests. Psychologists from the camps and members of the original committee spent over two months in the study of results and in the revision of methods. From this work and the preliminary trial that followed the revision, the present methods were obtained. The group examination beta was prepared to enable examiners to make a rapid survey of the 30% who either could not read English or read it so slowly that they could not do themselves justice in the test for literates. The Stanford Binet and the Point Scale were adapted for army use at this time and the individual examination for foreigners and illiterates was prepared. The validity of the tests as measures of intelligence was checked against every available criterion, including officer ratings of men, army rank as an outcome of survival of the fittest, other kinds of intelligence scales, professional success, and ability to learn as evidenced by school standing. Not only has the scale as a whole been thus checked up, but also every one of the separate parts making up the scale. The correlations with other criteria of known validity were almost invariably high. The influence of literacy, repetition of the test, the physical condition of the examinee, and the personal equation of the examiner have all been carefully considered. The development of the beta test and of the performance test for the examination of the foreign-speaking and illiterate presented special problems. The use of demonstration charts and pantomime to convey the instructions to the person being examined proves successful. The new method of test in the beta, using geometrical designs, mutilated pictures, etc., required different principles in its construction. The individual performance tests also involved additional and peculiar standards of construction and evaluation. The important purpose of these supplementary tests was, of course, to give to those handicapped by language difficulties a real opportunity to show their ability. In addition, two definite aims were planned in the use of all forms of testing. First, to point out the feeble-minded and those incapable of military service because of mental deficiency, and second, to find those of unusual or special ability. The arrangement of each test, in both group and individual examinations, was therefore checked against the scores of men in institutions for the feeble-minded. If no score had meant low mentality, the first task would have been solved, but we have shown that literacy was an important factor in the alpha test. The beta test practically eliminated this factor, and was thus a step further in selecting those of low intelligence. To prove conclusively that a man was weak-minded and not merely indifferent or malingering, the performance test was added. The individual examinations as finally used in the army were, therefore, primarily checks on the group examinations. No person was reported as feeble-minded until a detailed individual psychological examination had been made. Many cases of mental disorder were discovered and referred to the psychiatrist for examination. Disciplinary cases referred to the psychologist were always given individual examinations, as were referred cases of men having difficulty with drill or those who failed to improve in the YMCA schools and elsewhere. A detailed statement of how these tests are made is impractical here. Most of the methods used in the Army and given in the Examiner's Guide are described in journals and in the literature of mental tests. The results of their use are indicated by the numbers of examinations made and by the totals of low-grade cases found. The instructions for giving the tests are perhaps more essential in individual examination than they are in the group examinations. Again, the detailed cautions have been presented in literature of mental tests and need not be repeated at this point. End of chapter 1